Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of Bog Talk. I'm your host, Brighton Vinger, and I'm here with a special guest. He's a cigar connoisseur, <laughs> IU Kelly poster boy, Camden East. Thanks for, thanks for having me, Brighton. Hey, it's a pleasure. pleasure. It's a pleasure. So uh, first, I just, I'd like you to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, a little background. A little background. Well, so I go to IU, Kelly School of Business, like you said, Kelly School poster boy. Uh, I have a very large family. I've got four siblings and a baby sister. Um, she is she a baby anymore though? She's kind of older. Now. She's she's like five. She's yeah. she's always gonna be the baby. Fair enough. You know, you enough. have four boys and you have one girl. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah she's yeah. always gonna be be the baby. But um, no, yeah. So that's that's a little bit about me. I'm I'm just happy to be here. You know. Yeah, I get that. So if you uh, if you don't mind, will you tell me a little bit about your uh, your political beliefs? I think that politics. I think the power should be with people, right? I think the people are what drives government. It's what drives politics, what drives change. And so I think it's people should be the center. People should be the most powerful in the government, right? Uh, And so I think that we see all of these different issues arising today in free speech and uh, the government and limited government uh, and its power. And Whenever I am looking at a political issue, my kind of philosophy is err on the side of freedom. So uh, on most cases, if there's a if there's a disagreement about is this should this be a government power or should this be a power of the people, this be left to the people to decide. I tend to err on the side of the people, the side of freedom and liberty and choice, uh, and the when you're looking at like economic or fiscal policy, um, and you say, should the government be involved here? I tend to answer, we should let capitalism, a free market, should let the people decide. Spoken like a true patriot. Oh yeah, you know and, me. And one word, describe like your, your party per se, whether you're like, it can be Democrat, Republican, conservative, liberal, anywhere in between. It's a good question, it's a good question. In, in one word, or like, like, where do you stand on the, on the political scale? Okay, so in one word, I would say conservative. But if I was allowed to have a couple more words, I would say in between conservative and Republican. Because I tend to think like there's the middle, there's the, somewhere in the middle, libertarian. Mm-hmm. But then there it goes. Next step up would be Republican or Democrat. And then another well, step li- up would be libertarian, far right, like not far far right, but. I think I tend to find a lot of libertarians are Republican on a lot of economic and policy issues, but are liberal or democratic on social social issues. Right is in the idea of laissez-faire, small government, hands off. Yeah, leave it for which which that I mean that also like you said has different has its different issues. Like, for example, marijuana, a libertarian would say make it legal because the government shouldn't be deciding that. Yeah. I, I, that's, that issue is one I've always struggled with because on my moral sense, I, I think that that is something that we should try and stay away from. But then you look at something like alcohol or I don't know, tobacco or nicotine use, those things are extremely damaging to your own body and yet they're legal. And I think there's that's one that I've always, like I said, I always try and err on the side of freedom. But is this something that we should make legal? 
that's something that I have honestly struggled with for a very long time. I'd just like to note we started talking about that at the 420 mark. Welcome to the best podcast in the world. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I get that. I just, I think the difference is whether it's harming yourself or harming others. And I think that's the line that the government would step in. And I think if you're just going to sit in your house and smoke weed, I think that's, that's your prerogative. That's your decision. Yeah. I think there are, so would you say that like uh, assisted suicide is, should be legal? I I see that I think there you go into you're going into religious more religious and moral grounds as well which I, I I don't I don't have a full opinion on that yeah necessarily or I don't have it well thought out enough to be able to argue for one side or the other yeah that's a, it's just because the government does regulate at to some extent protecting yourself from yourself like it's Illegal to not wear a seatbelt. Yeah, which I disagree with. I think if you're over the age of 18, you shouldn't have to wear a seatbelt. <laughs> that's, that's my libertarian view. Oh, man. I don't know. I, I, but there are some instances where the government protects you from yourself. And so is marijuana something that they should be protecting you from yourself in? Cigarettes are worse for you than marijuana. I don't know if that's the, all, that's I don't know if the science... I don't know if the science is totally conclusive. I... We haven't seen the long-term effects of marijuana on your brain. I don't know. We've seen I the long-term just, effects of, well, I think, first I off, think we have. I just, first I off, mean, smoke inhalation is never good. Yes, I It can always cause bad problems with your lungs. I, I guess I would say, I mean, cer- cigarettes are far more addictive than marijuana is. Yeah, that's true. I think, I think, I just, I, I, I don't, I just think that, we have seen negative, adverse, long-term effects with marijuana and how it affects your brain. It affects react, not just like yeah. short-term, like I'm high, so my reaction is slow, but also like how it affects your just men- overall mental capacity. Yeah. Well, that's also how much you smoke as well. Like if you're smoking every day, it's going to be a lot worse than if you smoke once a month, like I don't know, you do with your cigars. Yeah, and I or or used to because it's used yeah to it's illegal it's now legal for anymore. me. You know, once again the government overstepping their bounds. That's some, that's something I I mean, with that's something I disagree with Trump's policy because I'm I I'm conservative and so obviously I support a Republican um, a Republican government, but I think Trump has a lot of policies that I've agreed with and a lot of policies that I disagree with, and one of those is uh, restricting the age of tobacco products same I think thing that's kind of crazy i don't know why jewels are outlawed once again just once you're early 18 you should be able to, you should be able to do what you want yeah it's because you can go fight for your government but you can fight for your freedom and your people and die for them but you can't drink a beer or hit a jewel hit, yeah take a take a hit of a jewel you know it's crazy it is. smoke a cigar i think i think a, a common misconception is that donald trump is some extreme conservative i think if you look at some of his especially his infrastructure policies how much money he spent on that i and how much uh the budget he allocates to that i think you'd be surprised on how non non-republican that is uh, i think i think there's a, a several of his policies that uh have not been in in party lines, you could say. I mean, he was he's almost a lifelong Democrat, then turned yeah. Republican. And you'd think out of any Republican president 
for Democrats to get work done with across the aisle, it would be Donald Trump, but it turns out to be the opposite, and that's, that's what I, I hate. It's I my think, biggest pet peeve with Washington. Yeah, I think Trump likes to poke the bear with his tweets and stuff. Okay, for example, <laughs> excuse me, look at the State of the Union address. State of the Union address this year was, in my opinion, great. It was unifying. It was well-written. It uh, honored important, really interesting people. He had a Tuskegee Airman on. He had a mother and her daughter who was born at 21 weeks old or premature, which is absolutely incredible. Highlights the amazing medical advances we've made. And then we get out of the State of the Union address, and he retweets like 25 memes of Nancy Pelosi ripping it up, ripping up his speech. So like, I think that he enjoys poking the bear. And if the Trump at the State of the Union stayed that way, I think that he will easily get reelected. Yeah, I, I think State of the Union's a bit of a, uh, <laughs> it's a, it's a bit of a, uh, I don't know, a circus nowadays. I think it just turns into who can get the best positive PR, in my opinion, and whether it's a Republican or a Democrat giving it, the the other side will just sit there while the other side thinks it's the greatest speech of all time and I just I don't know I just it's kind of annoying in my opinion because I know I, I know if it was Obama up there whoever then the Republicans would just be sitting there frowning the whole time and it's like Absolutely. I don't know it all comes down to term limits I think get people out of Washington you think so should decrease term limits I mean there are no term limits well I, for some well like for uh for some, like, representative, for the House representatives are ours, isn't there? You can be reelected to the House as many oh, times as you want. yeah, but I thought you were talking about, like... like years? Yeah, in yeah, terms yeah. of no, years, I mean, re-election like, years. Yeah, you yeah. should have, like, I don't know, you can be reelected four times to the House, and then after that you're not allowed to run for the House of Representatives anymore. Yeah, that's an interesting, that's an interesting proposal. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I, I think it would be interesting, cause, I mean, how long has Bernie Sanders been in government for a long time <laughs> he hasn't got anything done so sure. it's kind of like i don't know he just he, he says i don't know big talk doesn't do anything yeah i i it's, it's something it's something i i find so crazy if bernie sanders gets reelected, trump wins winning reelected, like not nominated? reelected. sorry nominated yeah, yeah for if, if he gets if he gets the nomination trump wins Easily, like there's no contest. I dude, I don't know. I think Bernie's his biggest adversary. No way. Hundred percent. No way. Hundred percent. I I it's it's def it's definitely Joe Biden. No, but uh, if you look at the people who are coming out to vote. Sorry, you guys didn't get to see my face there. <laughs> <laughs> if you look at the people who are coming out to vote, the Iowa caucus had way less people coming out to vote than they did in the 2016 election. Uh, I don't know about the most recent one in Nevada, but I just th- I think the people who are coming out to vote are the Bernie and Boot Edge supporters. I, I think I-, I just don't think they have I just don't think they have the biggest backing in the world, and I, I think that Trump I after the the absolute debacle in Iowa, after Trump getting his impeachment trial getting acquitted from that I think it w- I would be very surprised if Trump doesn't get reelected I mean I w- I would probably agree with you on that but I don't think Biden is 
his biggest competitor? No, not at all. Have you? I mean, I'm the biggest skeptic of polls, but if you looked at the poll numbers, yeah, Biden's just tanking. And I, did you in the three small states? Yeah. Have you ever listened to Biden talk? Yeah, he's he's an old crazy person. I I, don't, <laughs> yeah. I trust me. He's, I don't like him. He said today, or maybe it was yesterday. Said his deceased son served attorney as attorney general. general. Yeah, I like, saw that. Trump says some crazy things. Trump lies, but I don't think Trump has ever said his deceased son was the attorney general of the United States. Yeah, that's a uh, pretty outlandish. Yeah, he's definitely he's definitely getting up there in the age, and I. I just think it comes down to electability. Who who is truly electable? Dude, but he Biden, who is Obama's VP, he's been in government a long time. But that that's or Bernie the crazy socialist. That's Biden's whole whole platform is literally oh well I was friends with Obama, so yeah, you should elect just me. Just hanging off the coattails. Bernie gets Obama. young people out to vote. Like there's people that will vote for Bernie but then won't vote for anybody else. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I I think Buttigieg is hurting Bernie's campaign though. I think he's taking up some of his voters. But the problem is Bernie gets the nomination, all those people just start voting for him. Not necessarily. I do think there are, I do think there are a small portion of Democrats that won't vote for Bernie because they think See, he's too extreme. That's why that's why I think that Biden is the person who's going to be but I, th- I think, I think the amount of people Bernie would get out for him as compared to Biden is greater than the amount of people that wouldn't vote for Bernie because he's too far. Yeah. I, I think there are most, most people are somewhere in the middle. No, um, yeah, everybody is. And, and the yes. thing is, the media wants to split us. Media wants to think we're so far apart on ideology when really if we just talk to each other, we're all about the same. That's why I'm nervous because if Bernie does win the nomination, then that's going to it's gonna set the standard for the Democratic Party, right? Because he won the nomination. I mean, it are, it, you look it's at the, s- oh, what do they call them? Like AOC, Kamala Harris. Oh, the Fab Five. Was, was Fab Five Fab or Fab Four, four or whatever something. it is in the House. It just... Kind of taking over from Pelosi, taking over the Democratic Party. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's already heading that way. Well, each one of those, each each one of those, like those four are. It was it was like Ilhan Omar and AOC. All they're so their their political ideologies are so extreme on the left side. I think that it really is. I mean, I mean, it's just. I guess Bernie's nomination may just be a result. Yeah, I think. I don't know. Did you? What's your take on Bloomberg? Bloomberg. Um, I mean, I think he has a, a decent shot. Did you watch him in the debate? Yeah, he, he was absolutely horrible in the debate. Yeah, he, he was terrible. He started to get together at the end when he roasted Bernie on having three houses. But nobody watches the end. By yeah. by that time, nobody's watching. Yeah, everybody's, everybody's just seen you get beaten down by Warren. Yeah. Beaten down by uh, Buttigieg, like. He was absolutely horrible, or and then um, Biden uh, just absolutely roasting him for stop and frisk. Yeah. Instead of apologizing for all that stuff, he said, "He said, okay, if if stop and frisk was so racist, so overtly awful, why did it save so many black and Hispanic men's lives? Because it really, it really did. Mm-hmm. You might not agree with the ideology of it." And certainly stopping anybody, it's, it was passed by the Supreme Court. Like, I mean, you might not agree with the political, 
but the results was good. We're good for New York. And I think <coughs> whether it's right, whether it's wrong, I still don't think he should have folded over like he did. Yeah, I think his rhetoric about it didn't help either. We're talking about throwing people against walls and stuff. But uh, if you look at it, he is, he is everything the media says Trump is. Yeah. Uh, overwell or over wealthy, although Trump's obviously over wealthy, but extremely wealthy billionaire that's separated from society and might be racist. That, yeah, that's what Bloomberg is. But I think the amount of money he has makes it extremely interesting, in my opinion. Yeah, he's probably worth ten times what Donald Trump is worth. Twenty, twenty or thirty times. That's Trump's insane. net worth is like two, three, four billion, and his Trump is, is worth. Three billion, really? Yeah, and Bloomberg's sixty-six billion. That's crazy. That that amount of money could spend almost like a hundred million a day until the election, and still be worth more than Donald Trump. Yeah, I saw. I saw like, and I think I saw like an ad or something that said if you made seven thousand dollars and every hour for every day since Jesus Christ's birth, you wouldn't have as much money as Bloomberg. Yeah. It's just absolutely ridiculous. So the question is, should he have that? The, the debate moderator asked him that question. He's like, "Should you have all that money?" And I'm like, uh, like, is that ethical? Mm-hmm. I think it is because I mean, yeah, you. I mean, you earn it. So and well, you can say at, at a certain point, it's not even like like he just like makes money. Like it's not he's even earning it at this point. It's yeah. just like it's. It's intellectual property and stuff. Well, and if you look at simple macroeconomics, I hate it when people just say, like, oh, that money's just sitting in the bank. It's not sitting in the bank. Banks wouldn't make any money if money was just well, sitting in the bank. it's in assets and stocks. And it's in assets and stocks, and there are – there, a lot of it is in bank and in different banks. But the more money people are in the banks, the more money is being loaned out to other people. So it's this increasing – this is cycle – of loans and these loans making money and that going into the bank and that's how the government and the fed makes money so i i think i think it's it's a good thing doesn't necessarily make money but i I get what you're saying i get what you're saying they increase the money supply they increase the money flow by doing by increasing how much money is going into into these banks uh by using because the fed the fed has ways it's there's a difference between monetary and fiscal policy, right? Yeah. Government is fiscal policy. The Fed is monetary policy. The Fed can increase or decrease money supply by, say, increasing the amount of money you have to keep in a bank, the yeah. reserve limit, right? Yeah, well, I, I, yeah I think I get, I get what you're saying. Well, let's, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know if our listeners want to talk about mac- macroeconomics, but, but here's an inter- interesting point. There's nothing stopping Michael Bloomberg from buying Twitter and banning Donald Trump and in any other political opponent. Yeah, what's he put in like three hundred million dollars in that TV ads already? It, I mean, it's something insane. But he could he could buy Twitter and ban all his political opponents. And at the moment, there's not there's nothing stopping him. Right. If Twitter wanted to sell, if Twitter wanted, if he want, if that actually like, if he could buy Twitter, he has the money to buy. Twitter. He has the money to buy Twitter. Twitter's valued at about four billion, and he has sixty six billion. He could buy Twitter. He could buy Twitter if he wanted. You think that would win him the election, though? No, but it could. I don't know. It ruffles some feathers. It'd be interesting. Another another option is he could fund, say, like a um, 
a Mitt Romney puppet campaign to take away enough votes from uh, Donald Trump and everybody else so that nobody wins the Electoral College. And so then say it's Trump, Romney, Bernie, Bloomberg, you know, then the election, since there's no winner in the Electoral College, the election goes to the House of Representatives. House because it's controlled by Democrats. Yeah. Well, some of those are crazy socialists. Most of them aren't. So it's whether they're going to vote. Donald Trump's not going to win because it's controlled by Democrats. So your options are Bernie and Bloomberg. And I think you're going to get more Democrats for Bloomberg than Bernie. That would be one crazy political. That would be a crazy, crazy political move. Mm-hmm. That would be pretty insane to watch. See how much. See the. We're about to see the price of the presidency this election. That's true. I, I mean, so much money has gone into these elections. Was it Citizens United? Ever since Citizens United, it's been crazy. That Supreme Court case that pretty much saying money is speech. Yeah, and I, I don't know. Everybody hates on him for using his own money, but I, I feel like that's almost more ethical than Elizabeth Warren taking Schmo Joe, who makes thirty thousand a year, taking. 20 bucks from him to put it towards her campaign. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it is interesting, too. Um, he did, uh, who was it? Uh, Buttigieg raised an interesting point. I think was the biggest was the biggest hit out of that entire Democratic debate. The biggest hit maybe this CNN or MSNBC didn't produce, but I think the biggest cut to anybody's campaign was when Buttigieg went up to uh, uh, Sanders and said, did I miss something here that the leading socialist part, so democratic socialist in the United States has three homes? That was Bloomberg. Bloomberg said that. I think, was it Bloomberg or was yeah. it Buttigieg? It was Bloomberg. Because that was what everybody said was Bloomberg's big moment in the debate. Okay, yeah, okay. Maybe it was Bloomberg. But he, but he's like, yeah, you're right, you're right. I think that's just so interesting because... For for the longest time, Bernie was like millionaires and billionaires are bad, mm-hmm. but then he became a millionaire, and now so it's just billionaire. billionaires yeah, yeah, yeah. are bad. So it's a uh, it's a pretty interesting dynamic to see uh, where Sanders lies based on where his own position is at. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating. And I saw I saw something else that said Sanders talked about raising the minimum wage to fifteen dollars. I think if he raised the minimum wage and got the tax increases that he wanted it was taxing anybody who makes more than twenty nine thousand dollars you would actually be making like yeah i saw i don't know how accurate that is based on his tax code but yeah that is just like the the premise of what raising taxes that much would cause so i want to go i want to go back to the uh the whole minimum wage idea and how you he wants to raise the minimum wage to fifteen dollars which i think is ridiculous i think this is I'm, i'm i'm a big proponent of states rights I think the minimum wage is specifically something you have to leave up to the states because if you look at cost of living in different locations, like it costs almost half as much to live in Indiana as it does in California. And so a $15 minimum wage in Indiana is going to have a completely different effect as a $15 minimum wage in California. Like that, that might be fine in California and might not have an effect on the economy. But if you raise the minimum wage in Indiana to $15, that's going to have a drastic effect on the economy. Yeah, because businesses have to, they have to account for the cost, right? And so the, the goal of a business 
is to make as much money as possible. You can either do that by making revenue or reducing costs, right? And so when your costs go up, that cost is going to be put on to somebody. Yeah, that, Somebody's that, going to bear that cost. That cost is always passed on to the consumer. It's always going to be passed on to the consumer, especially when it is coming from, from a, a wages expense, you know? So that, that cost, because now the businesses are left with really few options. They either raise their prices or they employ less people. Right? They really don't have too many options. Cause, so now you raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour, you have a few happy workers and a lot of unhappy unemployed workers, right? So you raise the minimum wage and unemployment is going to take a hit for sure. Yeah, definitely. Having 10 people that make 30000 a year is a lot better than having seven that make 40000 and having three unemployed. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because un- people that can't support their families, that has a lot a lot worse social cause than if they just live slightly... Like, make slightly less, mo- less money, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, uh, another, bi- another big issue in today's, or I guess, in current events news is the coronavirus. Oh, but, yeah. So, I, I, w- I want your take. Do you think it is overhyped and it's not a big deal? Or do you think it's underhyped and is a bigger deal than what they're saying? Or do you think the media is giving an accurate portrayal? Uh, on these issues, I... I pretty much trust the U.S. media to be honest with what's happening. Never would I ever. Well, I think on political <laughs> issues, that's something that we have to look into. And obviously, we always have to keep a skeptical mind, I think, of what's happening and check things out for ourselves. However, with the minimal trust I have for U.S. news, I have zero trust for the Chinese government's I'd news agree. and their portrayal of what's actually happening. So, in reality, I think we, I have no idea what is actually happening, like ground zero, Wuhan, China. Because, I mean, we've seen, there's been rumors that some doctors are in China, in China are trying to speak out against, like, uh, oh, it's being underreported. And then there have been rumors that uh, do- these doctors have been arrested, which is not absolutely unheard of because of China's government system um, and apps like WeChat. Is, is it called WeChat? I can't remember. I'm not sure what you're talking about. So the Chinese government pretty much runs this app called WeChat that all like social media, like even ordering a pizza goes through one app. Hmm. And the entire Chinese government has the ability to control the information, to look at, see what people are doing. But they they use that app to limit people's freedom in reality is what what they use it for. But anyways, of what's actually happening on, I do think it's a big deal. I think it's important that we work together as like nations to I, try and solve the problem because it's something like disease. There's no nobody really did anything anything wrong, right? It's not like there's war. Like in war, you, there's usually somebody who is at fault, somebody who did something wrong, but. This is something that nobody was really at fault for, and so it's something that we should try and work together, and it's, it's crazy to see how people really come together in times of tragedy like this, right? Well, I don't, yeah, I'm not sure people are quite coming together over the coronavirus yet, but not maybe, yet. maybe the, medical, the medical community. Well, I mean, yeah. if you look at relations, I, I, so 
I go to school with a lot of uh, Indian and Chinese uh, people who are, they live in China and they come to school, come to IU. And it's interesting because India and China have never had a great relationship. It's kind of an adversarial relationship, especially competing for that number two economy spot, right? America's always number one. Oh, yeah. But uh, they've kind but India, I've heard from Indian students saying that India has been trying to assist China any way they can and that China has actually, like, reciprocated that and said, been, like, shown gratitude and things like that, which is, I think, is a good step. Yeah, I saw, so I saw an interesting graph, and it was, like, an aerial view, and it illuminated this type of gas that is released from organic material burning. I forget the exact gas, but there were like unnormally large amounts of it coming from outside these major cities where the coronavirus was present was present, not president. And so I think I don't know, I mean it's just a conspiracy theory, but I think it might be they're burning dead bodies from the virus. That's that's which bold. which would make it much more serious than what we were led to believe. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. That's I've not heard that one. Yeah, and I I mean I know it's having a big effect on their economy and what what not, but like the Chinese government is already doing shady stuff. Like they have, I mean it's a known fact they have like camps where they're holding. Yeah, they kill journalists Mus- and stuff. Yeah, well, and also like people of the Muslim faith. I, yeah, they have probably like, any camps where they're holding of any faith. Honestly, it's probably true, and so we know the Chinese government is involved in some shady stuff. Although I mean, so is the U.S. government. So is just about any big government. That's true, but okay, I mean, not, not to the level of holding specific people hostage based on their political views or religion. Yeah, and and most governments, other than other than, well, most governments have some sort of transparency china has has none it's it's controlled by a communist party that controls all the information so it's it's a very interesting case it's this huge world superpower huge army huge economy and it's all controlled by a few people so here's my question for you this is going off on a bit different topic but i was i was Reading about this a couple days ago. So if you lived in Nazi Germany in the 1930s, do you think you would have been a Nazi? Do I think I would have been a Nazi? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Okay. I, I odds, odds are you would have been. Odds are we all would have been. Probably. Just based on like socialization and stuff like that. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I'd fit the description of the Aryan race. I mean, you definitely don't. Yeah, but no, that's, not, that's, not what I'm, that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, psychologically, like how the, the um, social influences changes what people can do. Well, and it's also, too, about the control of information. Like, they were burn- Nazis were burning books that were controlling all, like, you look at the propaganda, they had total control over news. Yeah, shut it down people they disagreed with. So you. You paint these people, these Jewish people, as these horrible, terrible people, right? Your your population starts to believe you. Which which leads me into the next subject of how I think far left groups such as Antifa 
are doing that to said conservatives in terms of violence and shutting them down and yeah i yeah i i think that i think that these these groups that are resorting to violence are just a group of people who are trying to belong trying to have something to to i guess belong to and to 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 feel like they are a part of a group that is working towards something good and it's these leaders who are taking advantage of that and i obviously never think violence is the answer i think real change happens through peaceful protest if you want if you want change you do it through peaceful means like mlk knowingly and lovingly breaking the law or something like that yeah so i'm not sure like never mind i'm not gonna go on that but i was well i was gonna say uh, once again on the point of antifa and the german nazis i think a um so uh, going back to the charlottesville rally with the neo-nazis and yeah. then the antifa and there was a whole fight and the the guy ran through the crowd so i think nazi germany gives us a good I don't know about good, but a point at which we know when the right goes too far. When you start talking like a Nazi, claiming like white supremacist or supremacist of any race or whatever, you've gone too far. There's no, we don't have a point at which the left goes too far. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's interesting. I, I would, for me, I think there. I would say there is a point of reference for myself, and that would be once you start veering onto the a path of like communism, communistic ideologies. See, I, I would agree with that. But I'm talking talking like as a society. Like, yeah. like if if somebody says like, I'm a white supremacist, everybody like says you're crazy. Like, obviously, you're horrible. Like, you're a bad person. Yeah. But if some if somebody says, oh, I'm a communist. There's a large, especially on college campuses, there's a large, like population that says, "Oh, wow, edgy." Well, yeah. Well, I think I think a lot of people don't understand what communism really is because if you look, go look at Karl Marx and his manifesto, the half of it was the allocation of wealth, right? But the other half was a violent uprising of the lower class, pretty much taking over the upper class and a cycle of violence, right? So I think that is I think it's extremely dangerous to have that ideology, not just the ideology of of taking things from some people and giving to other, because everything that is done in a communist idea is done at point of gun, right? With a gun to your head, like gun to your head, you have to. Well, that's how it ends this. up. That's like yeah, not absolutely. Like, conceptually, it's not supposed to be like that, but in the end product, it ends up at gunpoint. Yes. Yeah, that's that's what happens, and so. Uh, I think I think that ideology is extremely dangerous, but I agree with you that I don't think society has realized the dangers of socialism and socialism progressing into communism. Because I think I think it was I think it was Lenin who said the goal of socialism is communism. Yeah, we, a I mean, quote. we we have a socialist running for president, so it's clearly not off limits. Democratic socialist break. Come on, get it, get it right. All, the, all, the, all that means is that two, three people walk into a bar. Two of them wants one to pay for the beer. The other one says, "No, you pay for your own beers." They hit him, or they hit him upside the head with a rock, take his money, and buy their beers. Yeah, majority rule. 
So, I mean, it's... I think a, a big misunderstanding is that communism has killed far more people than Nazi Germany ever did. Oh, yeah. And so that's like... We're still looking for that point, which I think we felt. I think there is a point that in which the left goes too far. And I think that's um, equality of outcome. So when everybody, no matter mer- whether no matter your merit or your hard work, gets the exact same thing. Yeah, because in the United States, we, we're based off an equality, uh, equality of opportunity, right? A meritocracy, yeah. Yeah, well, well, we, we The goal is an equality of opportunity. Yeah, and no, no system is perfect. Yeah. That. No system is perfect that everybody has equal opportunity. That's impossible. And no system will ever be perfect of equality of outcome. But I think it's the equality of uh, opportunity is the more is the more moral, the more ethical option here. Quality of opportunity is great in, in theory, the idea that everybody gets equal and who knows, maybe one day we'll be at where Star Trek was where we can duplicate all food and anything we want and the idea of personal uh, personal like property doesn't exist. Who knows? Maybe maybe someday we'll get to that point. Maybe someday. Well, I uh, th- thank you for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Bogba. Ho- hope hopefully you'll be back soon. Hopefully.